Thank you, guys. Thank you. I don't know about you, but I need to be reminded that I'm not living for this world. I'm living for the next world. Amen? I was speaking with some friends this week talking about how God can and will provide in their life. And I love Hebrews chapter 11 where it says, All these things that were promised to them, they did not receive before they died. That's kind of aggravating. Yet they welcomed them from a distance and recognized they lived as if they were foreigners in this land. When I hear a song like that, it reminds me that God's promises are not only true, but they're not just on this side of eternity. They're for eternity forever and ever. Amen? Amen. If you want to grab your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus chapter 3 and 4. We'll be there in just a moment. We are looking at our third week in this series, Who Do You Think You Are? Finding Our Identity in God. We looked at Moses' story, and then we took a, a brief break last week and stayed in the series, but we're coming back to Moses again, and we're going to look at what we can learn from his story about finding our identity in God. We saw in week one that we cannot truly know who God is, or who we are until we know who God is. Until I know who God is, I don't get a clear picture of who I am. Now, now the world around us gives us all kinds of reflections. We saw this in, in week one that, that tell us who we are. They, they give us all kinds of, of feedback and information and, and some of us think too high of ourselves and others think a little too low of ourselves. And we see some reflections that's like the skinny mirror that makes us look good. And sometimes, I don't like that one at all, that's the, the short fat mirror there. And it, it, it gives us an idea of who we are, but it's not really true. I'll never forget after, uh, after first service two weeks ago, uh, someone right over here said, Pastor, I really tried to pay attention, but that kept glaring me in the face the whole time. And I thought, I wish I would have thought of that and seen that. That would have been a great another point in the message. You know, the world glares so many reflections back at us that it's hard to pay attention to what is truth. And so you can have a better chance of paying attention this morning. I'll take the advice of a friend and and go ahead and cover it up. But remembering that just because you think you know who you are based off of somebody else's reflection or information they give you, it doesn't mean that you have a clear idea of who it is that you are. Today, we're going to see that not only do I need to know who God is to see who I am, last week we saw we need to know what God thinks about us to understand who we really are, but you see, God has a plan for our life. I love Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, I have a plan for you, not to harm you, but to prosper you, to give you a hope and to give you a future. But there is some things that can get in our way that can be an obstacle to God's plan for our life. God has an identity for you and it is rooted in him and he wants to bless you. He has great plans for you. But some of us will be on the edge of missing it because of an obstacle called insecurity. The antidote to insecurity is finding our identity in God, and that's the heart of what I want us to look at today. Look at Exodus chapter 4, verse 1 with me. Moses is answering God's 
question. He says, well, what if they do not believe me or they don't listen to me and they say, the Lord didn't appear to you? You could just hear, you can just see the insecurity dripping off of his words. Well, what, 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 what if they don't believe me? What, what if they don't, they don't really think I'm telling the truth? You see, we're going to look at some of Moses' insecurities and hopefully learn what God can do in our heart this morning. If we flip back a page or two, we see in Exodus chapter 3, verse 10 and 11, Moses again is seeing some of these insecure thoughts come in his mind. And so now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt, the Lord says. But Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Moses is insecure. Here, Moses is about to rock the world and be a hero of the Christian faith. And for generations, many will look to him as an amazing leader. And yet, right before it, on the brink of that leadership, he is so saturated with insecurity. He almost misses what God wants to do in and through him. This morning, I want us to to look at what insecurity means, to define that for us, and It's important to note that insecurity is far easier to experience than to define sometimes. We can identify with what it means to feel insecure more than we can to define it. But for the sake of our discussion this morning, let's look at insecurity as this. Number one, if you're taking notes, insecurity is my awareness of the gap between who I want to be and who I am. Who it is that I want to be, who I need to be, who others think I should be, and who I am. When I see this gap, when I see this distance, this is insecurity. I want you to think about a time when you felt insecure. I'm not sure what it is for you. I had an opportunity to be a part of a conference, and I was invited to be one of the ministry leaders on a panel, and I sat with a group of people who had six or seven times the degrees that I've had and had way more experience that I've had. And and, and to be on a panel with them, I I felt very insecure. I mean, these guys were smart. These were the guys, they wrote the books that I read in school, and, and I was supposed to have something to say alongside them and to compare and contrast my view versus their view. And and I thought, you know, some of your books I have to read three times before I even know what it is you said. I, I don't I don't get it. I don't think I'm supposed to be on this panel. I need to talk to the person who organized this conference. Do they really know who I am? Because I was sensing th- this gap between who I know that I am and, and who they wanted me to be or who they thought I was or who I thought they wanted me to be and and there's this gap and I could feel insecure. We all have moments of this and we can see it in our life. Uh, It was yesterday, the most recent that I can remember, I was out on the upwards soccer field uh, watching the kids play. Actually, it was Thursday. It was a practice. Watching the kids play and it warmed my heart, not only because my daughter was playing soccer, but I love soccer. I've told a few of you that uh, it was my desire to be a professional soccer player, and uh, when God called me to ministry, I just thought that was the end of the world. Uh, I didn't have the talent or the drive to be a professional soccer player, but I had the will. I I thought that's what was going to happen. Well, God changed my heart, and I can't imagine doing anything else. Don't feel sorry for me. I feel like pastoring is the greatest privilege and gift in the world. But even though God changed my heart, I have a love for soccer. And I'm watching these kids play, and, and in my mind, I'm thinking, <laughs> I can do that. 
Here's what they need to do. And they had a great coach, and Coach Keith was giving them all kinds of great age-appropriate information. And I'm thinking, you know what, they need to see this, they need to do that. And so I thought when practice was over, I would just have fun schooling a few of the kids. I mean, that's a safe thing to do. I mean, good grief, they're in third grade, I should be able to take them. So a couple of Barnes boys saw that I was playing, and they jumped in, and they began to scrimmage against us, and I quickly saw that what my mind could remember me doing, my body could no longer do. The tricks and the juggle and the, and the, the kick coming up over my head, the rainbow kick, did not come out as it did in my mind. In this moment, again, of seeing what I needed to be and knowing who I am, I was aware of this gap, and it's this insecurity, and how we respond to that insecurity is is kind of different. Some people respond to insecurity by just being over the top. They they just try to be overly confident, and they just, just go over the top. You know those type of people that when they're in a situation, they just come out and they know everything. And sometimes there's the reverse response. When you're feeling insecure, you just go, well, I don't really care about that. That was my temptation Thursday. Well, I I don't know that I really care about being able to do that soccer thing anymore. I'm in the real world. I'm a grown-up now. I don't need to play that. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, man, I used to be able to do stuff, and my body can't do it anymore, and I'm out of shape, and I wanted to do that. But insecurity is there for all of us. Some of you are looking at me like you've never felt insecure in your whole life. Stop it. You're making me feel insecure right now. We all have faced moments where we could sense the distance between who we know that we are and who we want to be or who we feel we need to be, and that is insecurity. Every one of us has insecurity set in, in that gap. Look at number two. We're going to see the insecurity in the life of Moses. I mean, when you look at Moses, you can see all kinds of great things he had going for him. We talked about it in week one. I mean, Moses was born with a purpose. He had a purpose for his birth. He was raised in the palace. He had a tremendous education. He was called by God, and yet he was insecure. And he was 80 years old. Come on, Moses. Get it together. You would think by age 80 you would know who you are, but yet insecurity kept blocking what it was that God wanted to do in his life. What I want us to do for the next number of moments we have together is I want to look at verse 1 and verse 10 and 13, and then we're going to come back and look at those verses again. At first, I want to see Moses' response, his insecurity, his excuses, and then we're going to come back and then begin to see what God had to say about it. But first, let's look at what Moses had to say in verse 1, 10, and 13. The honesty in this portion of Scripture is tremendous. I love this. If you're taking notes, letter A there, Moses is basically saying, I am not believable. I'm not believable. I'm feeling insecure. I see the gap, the distance, and who I know that I am, and and who they want me to be, or who I need to be. There's a space there, and and I am not believable to these people. Look at verse 1 of chapter 4 again. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me, or listen to me? Or what if they say, the Lord did not appear to you? That might seem kind of strange when we hear that. Well, why would Moses think that? He is anticipating people's responses to him, just like you and I do. 
You ever play out a conversation in your mind before it happens? Do you ever think about how somebody's going to receive what it is you have to say or think about how someone is going to respond to your action or your lack of action? Moses is playing this out in his head, and, and he's thinking of how people would respond to him. Moses, you didn't hear from God. Moses, you just, you've just been having some more of those dreams. I mean, how do we really know? You want us to follow you where and stand up against who? And, and you said the Lord, the God appeared to you in, in a what? And it, was, and it was burning and it didn't consume? Moses, I think you need to get some more sleep. A little bit farther, Moses was anticipating, hey, aren't, I, I know you. Aren't you the guy that, that ran away and you've been hiding for 40 years? Didn't you have that whole scandal of a murder thing going on? And, and now you're coming back. You want us to believe you, the one who has a, a price on his head, a, a murderer. You want us to follow you and listen to you. Moses is playing these tapes in his head and he's saying, God, I'm not believable. Because of my past, because of my actions, because of the gap between who I know that I am and what I'm needed to be, they will not believe me. Church, I think that reminds us of ourself quite often. God is calling us to do something and we respond to God and say, God, I don't know if, if they will believe me. I don't know if that's going to happen. We say, God, but, but I know... That they know who I really am. And, and they won't believe me. For a lot of dads, this is an issue about leading their home spiritually. It's hard for them to gather the kids around the table and to open God's word. Because the dad says, I know that they know who I really am. And we begin to sense this gap between who we are and who we need to be. And we begin to allow insecurity to set in. And we say, I, what credibility do I have? What integrity do I have? How can I call my family to a higher standard when they know who I am? There's many men who would say this about praying with their wife. How could I pray with my wife on a consistent basis? More than anybody, she knows and I know that she knows who I am. How could I be believable before her? For a wife, how could I give myself totally and following my husband and to be an example for him? Because he knows, and I know he knows who I really am. And the gap is, is so evident, and insecurity is setting in. I'm not believable. Before we get so hard on Moses, we need to look at our own life and begin to see that Insecurity can block us as well. There's some who'd say, well, it's, it's hard for me to keep trying and going the extra mile at work because, you know, I, I've already gotten some feedback. And from the feedback I'm getting at work, it appears that they know, and I know that they know who I really am. And, and I'm not measuring up to who they need me to be. And so insecurity begins to come in, and, and we respond in those one of two ways. We either begin to get over the top, and we begin to try to lord over, be arrogant or overconfident, or we say, I, I don't really care. I don't really care about being a spiritual leader in my home. I don't really care about trying to do what God's calling me to do at work. And, and, and this insecurity of not being believable, what is my track record with these people who see me, begins to set in. You see, we can't let our past mistakes limit our future. 
my family, my friends, know all kinds of things about me, and insecurity will fill the gap, but God wants to challenge us. Don't give up. Don't give in. Allow me to give you your identity. You know that Moses sharing this is a great comfort to us. I'm thankful that Scripture was honest and transparent and Moses was able to just speak his mind. I'm so glad God didn't skip this part in his word. I mean, how many of you are encouraged by Moses' insecurity? Anybody encouraged by that? And that encourages me and, and to hear the kind of excuses that he makes and, and we can begin to look into his thought pattern and it brings encouragement to me and God has something for you and for me today in this passage from Moses. Let's look at his next excuse. First he said, I'm not believable. And then he said, I'm not capable. I'm not capable, God. Look at verse 10 of chapter 4. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent. Neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. And Moses is saying, I, 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 I don't talk so goodly, God. I, 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 I never... I never, never, never have been good at, at talking. And, and, and even, even, even since you, you showed up and, and you, you burned in that bush, I, I still can't talk good, God. The audacity of Moses to say, God, not only can I not talk good, not only am I not capable, but since you've showed up and since you've spoken to me, I'm still not capable. I still can't do it. What Moses is saying is, God, you are aware of my weakness. And since you showed up, you haven't fixed my weakness yet. So I'm not capable. Insecurity is setting in. It has the potential of blocking what it is that God wants to do in Moses, through Moses, and to do for Moses. God wants us to see who it is he has called us to be in him, not in ourselves. What Moses is really saying is, God, you have failed me. You have seen my weakness, and you have not made me perfect, and so therefore I'm not usable for you. Sometimes we're not just insecure about our believability or our integrity or insecure about our capability. You may say, Brady, you know what? I've got a good enough reputation as the next person, and, and, and I may not be able to do anything good. A couple things about our capability. Everyone, write this in, everyone is insecure about something. Every single person is insecure about something. There's some who are better at hiding it than others. There's some who are not honest about it. But all of us are insecure about something. So stop letting the enemy play thoughts in your mind that you're the only person who ever feels this way. That you're the only one who ever senses this gap between knowing who you are and what you need to be and seeing this space as a place where insecurity can camp out. Know that every person who is alive is insecure about something. Next thing about our capability is this idea of innate capability. It's an illusion. It's not real. Our culture loves to fixate on people who are just born with it, who are just born with this Golf club in our hand like Tiger Woods and we can just run the table and have amazing talent. And I'm not suggesting that some aren't born with certain gifts and talents, but 
we don't like to fixate on the effort it took for that golfer to get to the level he was. And in the hour upon hour upon hour upon hour of honing that skill over and over again. We love this illusion of innate capability. And we use it as an, as an excuse. We see others who have a great impact for God. And, and they're following God with great fervor. And they say, well, God, they're just born a spiritual giant. They're just born with it. And we camp out in our understanding of who we are and let this gap between who we are and what we need to be to make us insecure. And God is saying this innate ability is an illusion. I have given you as well some gifts and talents, but there is effort applied. There is discipline applied. And I can use any one of my creation, God says, but you need to let me remove this obstacle of insecurity. Third, this final excuse here, it's the real issue. It's his availability. Moses, after making an excuse about not being believable and not being capable, now he just flat out says this in verse 13. Pardon your servant, Lord. Please just send somebody else. You ever feel that way? God, I tried to tell you that I don't think they're going to believe me and I don't have the track record. And, and I tried to tell you that I don't have the skill set, but you keep pressing me. I just don't want to do it. I just don't want to do it, God. Notice that Moses is not arguing with God's plan about how to deliver his children. Moses is agreeing that this is a good plan. He's, he's not arguing that they should not set the Israelites free. He's not arguing that God shouldn't show up and do something. He's just arguing that he doesn't think he's the man to do it. Be very careful when we get in that position. Be very careful of agreeing with God in theory, but refusing him in reality. Write that in. Be careful of agreeing with God in theory, but refusing Him in the reality. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, in John chapter 4, it tells us that God is seeking true worshipers. And that's not a hard thing to agree with, that God wants every one of us to be a true worshiper of Him. It's part of God's will for all of us to grow in worship. But let me ask you a question. How are you at worshiping the Lord? How are you at seeking Him and sitting at His feet? Are you a greater worshiper today than you were a year ago? Or are you pressing in. Well, it's easy to agree that we should all be true worshipers. It's easy to agree that we should all be seeking Him. Well, let's look at another one. In Matthew 28, it says, therefore, go and make disciples. Every believer in here would agree and say, well, yes, God is sending out the believers to make disciples of all the nations. I agree with that in theory, that abstract thought, God. That's good. But when it comes down to the nitty-gritty of reality, I'm not so sure, God, when we get asked the question, who have you discipled lately? Who are you intentionally pouring your life into? Come on, church, this is for us. God is speaking to us. He is saying, I have a plan for you. It's not to harm you. It's to give you a hope and to prosper you. And we allow this gap of insecurity to cause a blockage where we miss what it is that God wants to do for us, in us, and through us. So what do we do? Let's look at what God says in these nine verses as we conquer insecurity through the answers that God gives. You see, we too make these excuses. We say, God, who am I to teach somebody else to disciple them? I mean, really, look at me. Who am I? 
would, would just stop it. The problem is in the way we're asking that question. Well, I don't know who you are. What's happening is not based on who you are. It's based on who God is. Well, well, who am I? Let me just answer for you. You're a nobody. I'm a nobody. I love Pastor Mark Driscoll's response. I don't love everything he says, but I love his response about what he says about himself. He says, I am a nobody trying to talk to everybody and tell everybody about the somebody. Who am I? I, Who am I to teach? Who am I to disciple? Nobody. But God is able. God is the one who's chosen to use us. God is the one who has chosen to use you. That's why you come to Grace Point, isn't it? When someone tells you you're nobody, aren't you encouraged today? God has a plan for us. He wants to use you. He wants to conquer the hurdle that's in the gap, our insecurity. Let's look at God's answers. First, in verse 1 through 9, God basically says, I am the Lord. Tell your story about us. God has an encounter with Moses, and he says, basically, just tell them what happened between you and me right here. Look at verse 1. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me? And they say, the Lord did not appear to you. Then the Lord said to him, what's in your hand? I love it when God has ADD. Look at this. God, what if they don't believe me? Moses, what's in your hand? God, I just said, what if they don't believe me? What's in your hand? How many of you know that God will point out what we need to know, not always what we're asking some of us are so frustrated in prayer because we're asking God a direct answer, a direct question, and he doesn't give me a direct answer, and he tells me something over here. God knows what we need more than we, he knows what we want to hear or wants to give us what we want to hear. God, why are you asking what's in my hand? He replied, a staff. Lord, why are you asking me this? Look at verse 3. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and turned it back, in, it turned it back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Look at verse 6. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It had become white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. Now Moses did this and put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Verse 8, then the Lord said, If they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. In essence, these three miracles, these three provisions are now a part of Moses and God's story together of how he had provided for them. And he is saying, go tell them about my interactions with you. How do we overcome this insecurity and this gap? Tell the story of how God has interacted with you. What is your story? 
Some of us, we, we don't really see that we have a story of how God has spoken to us because we discount everything that God is saying to us. Just begin to think and work on your story. What has God taught you? What has he said to you? How has he provided for you? Well, I wanted this and he gave me this. Well, God, what will they think of me? What's in your hand? That happened the same thing with Moses. Do you think he just stood back and said, this is an amazing God who just did everything I asked him to do. He was just as bewildered as you and I are at times. What is your story? Begin to tell others about your story. It will begin to conquer the insecurity in your life. Now, don't compare your story to somebody else. Well, if I had a story like brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. You know, this idea of comparing our story... I used to wrestle with this. I don't have a deep, dark story of being set free from drugs and alcohol and this just radical transformation. And that used to bug me. I mean, how can you hold an audience captive with, I grew up in a pastor's house and and I'm a recovering Pharisee and God has set me free from legalism. Aren't you excited? Until I began to work and talk with people who had what I considered to be an exciting testimony of being delivered from these, these things from the margins of society. And they said, Pastor Brady, I could never share because who's going to believe me? Because I've been to these places. I don't have a testimony like yours. And I wanted to laugh. And it's not good to laugh at somebody when they're pouring their heart out at you. But the laughter came in my heart. The enemy is so creative. He made this guy feel like his testimony was worthless and made this guy feel like his testimony was worthless. And our story has nothing to do with him or me, but the God who interacts. Tell your story. If God is in your story, it's an amazing story. If God's not in your story, get him in your story. I am the Lord. Tell your story about us. God responds in verse 10 through 13, I am the Lord, I made you perfect for the job. Look at verse 10, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant, I am slow of speech and tongue. Look at how God responds. Do you ever say dumb things to God? (laughs) Moses just said a bunch of dumb things to God. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouth? As if Moses was informing God of something he didn't already know. God, I I ain't not that good of a talker. I know. I made you that way. But God, since you showed up, you didn't, you, you, you ain't not fixed my talker and I'm still a bad talker. I know. I left you that way. And God is responding here in verse 11. Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. Moses still didn't respond. He said, just pardon your servant. But God is saying, in essence, I made you the way you are. I put that ability or lack thereof in your life. I made you perfect for the job. We need to understand this. You are perfect. Now, hear me, you're not perfect. If you think you are, just talk to someone around you. They'll help you know you're not. But you are perfect. 
You're perfect for the job. And God looked at Moses and he says, you are perfect because you will have to be so dependent on me to even open your mouth. You are perfect. When we look at other people who God is using, seldom do we look at this truth. I am confident with every ounce of my being that I am standing here, not because I have anything to offer God, because he looks at me and he says, you're going to have to depend on me, because what do you have to offer anybody? That's the kind of servant I want to use. And before you feel too bad and, and proud of yourself, well, maybe God can't use me because I'm really something, you just need to stop looking in this mirror. Because you don't have as much together as you think you do. You don't have it all put together like you think you do. And God is saying, I made you this way. You are perfect and I can use you. But if we're not careful, we allow this gap. I know who I am. I know what I need to be. And this gap, insecurity sets in and it will block what God wants to do if we don't let him clear it out of the way. It's cleared out of the way by telling our story about God and us. It's cleared out of the way by recognizing that he has made us perfect for the job. Let us see. The Lord says, I am the Lord, and I will make a way for you. Everything in me would like to end right now, but we're not done, and so we're not going to end. This is the hard part. Look at verse 14. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. When we aren't obedient, when we continue to argue with God, when we continue to insult his creation in our own self, God gets frustrated with us. And the ang- I, this isn't like Oprah wouldn't want me to say this. You know, this, it's not going to sell any books to say this. It's right here. Look at it. Verse 14. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, What about your brother Aaron the Levite? And God began to provide a way. And later, in another study, we'll talk about how this brought challenges because Moses had to have a helper come with him. And and that was a problem later on. But God provided a way. God was gracious enough. And even with his arguing, God made a way. But the key is, Moses had to eventually obey. We need to understand, to break through our insecurity, recognize that God will make a way for us. As our musicians come and we get ready to close this morning. I believe a a final thought. It's not in your notes. God didn't give it to me in time for the outline, so it's not in there. But when we look at the other side of obedience, we can begin to see this insecurity being conquered in our life. If you're taking notes, just jot this down. Faith dash Looking at the other side of obedience, seeing the other side of obedience. All throughout scripture, it's easy for us to see the other side of obedience for many people we read about. Noah and building the ark. How insecure would it be to tell people around you that water is going to come from heaven, it's never come from heaven like that, and you're going to build a boat and put everybody in it? Uh, my experience, my knowledge is here, and what I'm asked to do is over there. There's a huge gap insecurity would set in. But when he obeyed, God conquered that insecurity and brought him confidence, and his faith grew. Well, that's easy, because we see the other side of obedience. Well, let's look at David, the, the shepherd boy who volunteers to fight the giant. 
Who is he to fight a giant? Well, that's David. We see the other side of obedience, how God showed up, and we we begin to think that he had all that information. He didn't have that information at that time. He was obedient when he saw the gap. What about Joseph? He refused to compromise. He wouldn't give in to compromise at what God told him to do or what he knew he shouldn't do. He found himself sold as a servant or a slave. He was in prison for doing the right thing. And how insecure would that be? But we see how God raised him to a high leadership position later. And it's easy to see the other side of obedience for the people we read about in Scripture. Well, what about Paul? It's not just an Old Testament thing. This guy who was a Pharisee, he was a persecutor of Christians, he murdered Christians, and now he's told to declare that he is an apostle of Jesus Christ? What kind of believability or track record does he have? This would have all kinds of insecurity laced throughout it, but we see the other side of how God used Paul to build his church. Friend, this morning, what I feel prompted to challenge you with is, What is on the other side of your pending obedience? It's not a question if God wants to use you. It's not a question if God has a plan for you. Go read Jeremiah 29, 11. It applies to you as well. He has a plan. Well, I've reached a different stage of life. Moses was 80 years old and he still didn't quite get it all. And God wasn't even close to done. He was just starting. God has something for you, but this gap of who I know that I am and what I needed to be and insecurity breeds there, it will block. Don't just agree with God in the abstracts. Yes, every Christian should disciple somebody. Yes, I should be a light and I shouldn't hide it under a bushel. No, or Satan will blow it out or something that the song says. I got to tell people about it. God I may not be believable. I may not be capable. I may not want to be available. But if you will give me the strength to obey and the faith to see what's on the other side of obedience, maybe there's a breakthrough for me as well. I want to invite you to do what may feel like a hard thing. It shouldn't be a scary thing, but it may feel like a hard thing. And that's admitting that maybe you're in a place where you can see the gap really, really well. If that's you today, I believe God has hope for you. He wants to conquer that gap. Don't let Satan tell you in your ear you're the only one who feels insecure about anything. Hogwash. Everybody does. Everybody does. But if we don't allow God to conquer that, it blocks what he wants to do. If you're here this morning and and, and you want to... Give God this argument about your believability, about your capability, about your uh, lack of wanting to be available. You want to see what's on the other side of this pending obedience. I want to invite you as we pray, you just do what may feel like hard. You stand up and you come and you meet God at this altar. If that's you, you go ahead and do that now. We're going to pray in a moment. You just stand up and you come. And say, God, I'm sensing the gap. I'm feeling it right now. But I need you to help me. If you want God to help you see what's on the other side of pending obedience, you just seek him now.